bioengineer Tim Angeli Gordon wants you to know that your stomach has electrical activity. And understanding this activity could be the key to diagnosing and treating gastrointestinal disorders like irritable bowel syndrome and gallstones, which impact 40% of the general population, if you can believe it. Tim Angeli Gordon is a senior research fellow at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute, and he joins us now. Hi, Tim. Kia ora, Jesse. Thanks very much for having me on today. Great to chat. Electrical activity in the stomach, you say. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, it's very similar to the same electricity that you um, get to turn on a light switch. Um, but instead of flipping a switch, your body does it naturally. Um, so it's very similar to the heart and your heartbeat as well. Um, so each of your heartbeats, the actual uh, contraction of your heart, the muscle in your heart, is triggered by electricity that sweeps through the muscle and causes it to contract. That's the initiation. Gosh. And the stomach's very similar. Yeah, very similar. How do we generate that electricity within our bodies? Yeah, that's a great question. It actually happens all on your own. Um, our bodies are really amazing. The more the more I study them, the more impressed I am, really, um, at what the human body can do. It, it nat- It's naturally occurring, so we get ions out of the food and the, the drinks that we have, and those um, generate the electricity by themselves, um, especially in your stomach and intestines. We don't even know that it's occurring. Um, you can't feel it, um, but it's it's there all the time. Yeah. Presumably we've known this for a while, but maybe haven't paid as much attention to it as you would have hoped? Yeah, definitely. Um, It was first discovered, the electrical um, control of the stomach, in the early 1900s, in 1922, um, by a scientist and a a clinical doctor uh, based out of the United States named Walter Alvarez. So we're over just over a century on from that, um, but it's still really isn't used clinically. Um, So if we compare it to the heart, where everyone will have seen on TV or um, in movies where when someone goes to the hospital, one of the first things they do is they hook them up to that heart monitor and you hear that little beeping sound. And so that's what that is doing is it's electrodes that are recording the actual electrical rhythms of the heart. So that is an everyday, we see it all the time on TV. Um, But if we compare it to the stomach, the electrical rhythms really aren't used in clinic yet. Um, there's a couple of emerging techniques and a couple of techniques that had, had tried to make their way into clinic, but we've really failed to develop a useful clinical tool um, based on the electrical rhythms of the stomach, which is what um, myself and, and our team in our lab at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute are, are tackling at the moment, and we're making really good headway. Fantastic. What would be the potential if we could measure that electrical activity? Yeah, again, a great question. Um, so one of the challenges with the gut, with the stomach and intestines, is that there are very few symptoms. Um, and so, and I talk to both patients uh, and clinicians as well. They're similarly frustrated because they say there's only a few things they can talk about. It's abdominal pain, bloating, nausea, vomiting, and whether or not they feel full when they eat a meal. Those are really pretty much the five symptoms. And so clinicians will say, everybody that shows up to me says the same thing. Um, And patients say, how am I supposed to explain how I feel? There's not much I can talk about. And so what we really need are um, things that we can measure. Um, We call them biomarkers or or something that's naturally occurring in the body that we can measure. 
And this electrical activity is one of those biomarkers. Um, so we've developed new techniques and new tools where we can put hundreds of electrodes directly on the stomach. And we found that in patients with stomach disorders, their electrical rhythms are operating abnormally. Gosh. So a good example is going up the stomach rather than down the stomach. So in the healthy stomach, the electrical waves um, they move from the top to the bottom. And in some of these disease patients, we see them actually moving from the bottom to the top. Man, man. Is it intrusive to attach these electrodes? Yeah, um, that's, a, again, a great question. Initially, it was. So our first techniques were um, we teamed up with surgeons, and we actually introduced them um, via open surgery. The benefit there is we're able to put them directly on the stomach. So we, we are able to record what we call the ground truth or the 100% truth we're recording directly from the muscle of the stomach. Yeah. But as, as you would um, surmise, we're not able to go and cut everyone open to try and tr try and diagnose um, these electrical abnormalities. Might um, cause so more problems than we're solving, you reckon. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so we, we don't really like to do that. So now we're pushing towards minimally invasive options. Um, and there's some really exciting work coming out recording it from the body surface, so completely non-invasive. Um, and that's actually started a spin-out company that some of my um, colleagues are involved in out of the University of Auckland. Um, but I'm also looking at doing it endoscopically, so going down the throat um, and recording from inside the stomach. So again, it's minimally invasive. Um, it's very common to put a camera down, an endoscope camera, as one of the very early diagnostics um, when people come in with these sort of gut disorders. Mm. And so we've developed a, a new prototype. We're in clinical trials with it to record the electrical activity um, from many electrodes. We've got 64 electrodes in our current prototype. So we're able to actually look at the movement of that electricity around the stomach, the pattern of how it activates, um, and tell whether or not that's normal or abnormal to try and try and diagnose patients. Man, what an exciting field for you to be in, Tim. It is, yeah. I, I sometimes often pinch myself when I go into work every day. I get to really just learn and explore and ask questions for, for my job yeah. um, and work with some really exciting students and, and brilliant scientists. It's, it's fun. The heart monitors and, and electrodes, they don't require being under the skin. So so why is it any different for the stomach? Yeah, true. That's, a, a, again, a great question. Um, so there's sort of two caveats. One, we can record from over the skin of the stomach. Um, but some of the challenges, the heart has much higher amplitude electrical activity, so it's thicker muscles and the electricity is stronger. Um, so I'm trying to think of a comparison. Like if you your mains power in your house is very high amplitude power, that would be like your heart, whereas your cell phone, your little battery in your cell phone is more like your stomach. There's uh -huh. not as much power in the stomach, so it's more difficult to record. And when you're further away, when you're on the skin surface as opposed to directly on the stomach, it's more difficult to record that activity. Yeah. Um, this is outside of your area, but might we one day have all sorts of instruments to measure electrical activity in our liver and kidney and pancreas and lungs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, some of those um, organs aren't... The, they're not muscular, so um, we would typically look for muscular sort of organs that have this electricity, so your heart, your stomach, but your intestines, your large intestine, your small intestine, um, rectum, bladder, um, all of those 
have electrical activity, the uterus as well. Um, so there's some really exciting work looking at the electrical activity of yeah, the uterus. Gosh. And so it's really a growing field, this um, this area of bioelectrical activity, and then also looking at um, the therapy side. So when we can monitor this electrical activity, when we can tell if something's wrong, can we correct it and then get rid of the symptoms and, and present a cure? So that's called electroceuticals. There's sort of a, a buzzword for that called electroceuticals, like pharmaceuticals, but electricity instead. And, and we're doing some exciting work in that area on the stomach as well. Yeah. Whenever I talk to a scientist doing interesting work in New Zealand, I think, gosh, there must be teams all over the world looking at this, and they're probably much better funded. Is that an issue for you, keeping track on who else is working on this and trying to beat them to it? Um, yeah, not so much beat them to it. Um, I think one of the – I guess one of the benefits, especially in the gastrointestinal field, there's so little that's been done. Um, there's so much work that can be done, and there's so much good work that I'm really excited when other people get involved and are in the field and, and try to work collaboratively where we can. And, and we've really benefited from that. I've got some great collaborations with um, scientists and clinicians overseas in the States and in Europe, um, which is which is great. I think it's a real opportunity. Um, but like you said, it is funding is a major uh, a major concern. You know, New Zealand's a relatively small place. Um, we're really leading the world in this area to be to be perfectly honest, um, and so, yeah, it is important that we that we keep the momentum going, um, and that we're able to to keep this work funded and keep pushing along, and then um, leverage those sort of overseas collaborators that w- that we're able to tap into as well. And I've got a note here that you think it might be five or ten years away. That seems like a long way away, given that you know what you need to be doing um, and have already had promising results. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That five to ten years, I was more um, talking about as a therapy, so correcting this abnormal electrical activity. We're actually currently in clinical trials with a couple of different devices um, to record and to use it as a diagnostic, which is a really important first step um, and and really um, sort of groundbreaking in and of itself. So we're right at that door with with some of that work. And like I said, there's a, a company that's been spun out and, and doing some really promising work. They've got their equipment in a number of, of clinics and hospitals around the world already. Good one. Um, so in a sense, we've, we've already, we're already there, um, but there's always more to do and we can always push it into trying to develop therapies now and to, to correct these abnormalities, which is the work that's more in the preclinical stages and we'll, we'll continue to develop. Will you stay in touch? I'd love to hear how it goes, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Thanks so much for having me on, Jesse. It's really exciting to to talk about it. Um, I think especially in the gastrointestinal field, we don't talk about it enough. Um, It tends to be taboo, but every time I talk to people, they say, oh, I know this person that has has this wrong. Do you work with that? Or everyone knows about it. It's a big problem. It's a big issue. And the more we talk about it, I think the better off we are. Great stuff. Tim Angeli Gordon, Senior Research Fellow at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute, has worked out that we could do a better job of diagnosing and treating gastrointestinal disorders like IBS and gallstones um, if we can learn how to measure and observe our stomach's electrical activity. Love that.